everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. You're listening to Do I Make You Uncomfortable with Morgan and Sarah. I'm Morgan, and that's... Sarah, who didn't take a drink because you were getting ready to introduce You me. were <laughs> so close to taking a drink. Um. Okay, so <clears throat> here's the thing. Um, I was just telling Sarah before I got on, and I was like, I probably should wait because this is funny. I have someone that I know who is on this website called are we dating the same guy and I'm wondering if this is like similar for other cities but this one is like this area so I'm sure it is yeah yeah they're all over the place it's so fucking smart and I could have vetted Mr. Generous before I did this he wouldn't have been on here nobody would have known him (laughs) (laughs) somebody would have been like oh yeah I worked with that guy at so-and-so yeah (laughs) So this is my new fucking favorite thing. And every time I open Facebook, it's a new, hey, red flags and tea on this person. And I'm like, oh, what are the red flags of the tea? <laughs> and I'm just like, it's scrolling. is my new fucking favorite thing in the whole wide world. So that's number one. The second thing that I joined is the, the citizen of my town. Okay. This is a headline from today. Learn more about the reported occurrences and work happening right here in my town when it comes to the extraterrestrial world. A closer look at UFO reports in my town. Can you send me that link? I need to I need to see what the reports are. I think you have to join it, but oh, 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 hang on. That's not you. So there you go. There's the link. Uh yeah. So um these are my new favorite things. Like, listen to this one. Can someone background check someone for me? He revealed a limited past criminal record. (laughs) Want to make sure that's all. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it's it's my city and your city. Not not where you live, where you work. Not where I live, where I work. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, it's my my new fucking favorite thing. It is so good. And I'm like, oh, yes. And I just giggle. Sometimes I'll just giggle. Um, about it, but yeah. So, uh, happy forensic nurses week. You're a badass. Happy forensic nurses week to you. I have something funny to show you. Hang on. Thank you for that sweet, sweet post that you made on Facebook. That was like, of course. my whole heart was full. That was the sweetest. <laughs> of course. It's forensic nurse week. You're my bestie. Like, I know. Ride or die. <laughs> but like the, what you, the compliment you gave me was amazing. So thank you. You're welcome. It's all true. Um, okay, so I have to show you this. I was scrolling through Facebook and I love playing this game with my husband, which is um how much do you think this is? And it's You told me about this game. Yeah. So it's almost always like designer things. Um and it you can buy, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but you can buy designer clothes and stuff like that on Amazon. It's called Luxury Amazon or something. Some yes, like you've showed me this before because okay. we've played. So, <clears throat> scrolling and I fucking see this necklace. And first of all, I was like, oh my gosh, that necklace is kind of cool. I'd love to get it from Morgan. And then I looked a little bit closer at it. Okay, this is the necklace. Why does it look like a penis and balls? <gasps> and a vagina. And a vagina. Or that's an ass. I can't tell if that's an ass or if that's... So it's I like, mean, it could there's... be a penis, a vagina, and an ass. Yeah, yeah. So there's, there's like, a kind of plump 
heart shaped. <laughs> That's arm. a good way to put it. Plump. There's one that looks like a very long cylindrical kind of almost like a bullet. Like a vagina. Oh, yeah. And then yes, there's like a pe- there's one that looks like a vagina, and I yeah. can't like. You, I mean, it just looks like a vagina, and it's just called a stone charm necklace, and it comes in like three different colors. And so I clicked on it, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Wait, are we and, gonna play? How much is this? Yeah, how much do you think it is? It's on the luxury. It's on the luxury thing. Okay, wait. Um, and I can't see it very well. It's teal. Hmm. Oh my god, what is wrong with it? Is it on like a nice chain? I can't really. See. Oh, uh, is it? Oh, twelve hundred dollars. Seventeen fifty. Well, it was so close. It was very close. Way, but way more than Christopher. Seventeen fifty for that. What are the stones? Are they stones? What is it? No, no, like it just says stone charm necklace. But there's no, like, stones, like, diamonds or anything in it. No. No, like, gemstones. No. It's just weird. <laughs> huh. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Well. Weird. Yeah. So, weird. To- today, um, I told Sarah this already, but this is my distracted brain and how, if I don't, if I don't prepare myself the night before... I forget things like this all the time. So I put this bag of gifts for my nurses on the island before I left, before I walked out the door last night. And I put it beside all the stuff I'm going to take with me, okay? And so my nose was running this morning and in my head before I left my bedroom, I was like, I need to take an allergy pill before I leave or I'm going to not feel good all day. So I walked into the kitchen. I touched the bag to go grab it and I went, no, I can't grab that yet. Because I have to take my allergy pill. Because if I don't take my allergy pill, I'm going to forget it. And I walk over to the island. And I slung my bag over my shoulder. And I grab my coffee, my water. And I saw the boxes on the ground. Because y'all, I decorated for Christmas already. Only God can judge me. So you fuckers stay in your own lane. Christmas makes me happy. And my whole heart is happy. It's currently November 6th. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But. I don't care because my whole heart is happy and I have Christmas lights everywhere and I've ended up with four trees. Anyway, all of my boxes for my Christmas decorations that I decorated were in the kitchen sitting by the door so that I could take them and put them back in the garage. And I thought in my head, oh, I need to park in the driveway. And so then my thought process forgot about the gifts. I was done with those because I stopped touching them. And I'm like, putting it in my head that I need to park in the driveway so that I can put the boxes away so I don't have to walk around the vehicle in the garage. And I get to the, probably one of the bridges, and I was like, motherfucker. Is it, I put that bag in here. And I'm looking all around, I was like, what's it? I did it. So now I have to take it tomorrow. So I told him, don't come to my office today, come tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, uh, I called Morgan this morning. It went straight to voicemail. And I was like, that's fucking weird. So I tried again, went straight to voicemail. I was like, okay, that's even more fucking weird. So I texted her and I was like, mm, you okay? And, <laughs> and I didn't even get that text message until I pulled into the parking lot. Yeah. And then she texted me back and she's like, yeah, why? And so I texted her or I called her straight to voicemail. And I was like, cause your phone's just going straight to voicemail. She's like, What? And so we tried it like multiple times. She was texting me just fine, but we tried yeah. it multiple times and it went straight to voicemail. She had to turn her phone off, turn it back on. Can I tell you the fear that I had in my heart when you said, are you okay? Like, 
because nothing, I, I didn't think anything of it. And I'm like, oh my God, what is today? Did I forget something? Did something happen and I didn't see it on the news? Did, oh, and I haven't yeah. seen it come across. Like, is it related to like, I don't know. I just didn't, uh, there were so many things going through my brain. And I was like, yeah. what, why? Why? <laughs> so why like, am I not okay? <laughs> why? And you were like, because your phone's going straight to voicemail. And I was like, oh, oh, we're fine. Life is fine. Let's come down out of the fight or flight that I activated myself in thinking I something had happened in the world. Just and I'd be punching the air. <laughs> or fight or flight. She fight all the time. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny, funny. I saw a um, meme today about football. And it was just a picture of the Miami versus Kansas City game. And it said, ah, football is so weird. Like, I don't even know what to do. Am I supposed to support Taylor's boyfriend or the cool millennial coach? <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, did you notice that he had the uh, of shades on in the first half and his glasses on in the second? No, no, no. The announcers even said when he took his glasses off, it was not the first half. Or it was not the second. It was still the first half. Oh, it was? It was like the third or fourth drive. Oh, took his boy. shades off, put his glasses on. They were like, he means business now. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear that. That's yeah. funny. That's because I was putting a tree together. I was a little distracted. So yeah, Morgan texts me a picture of her Christmas tree and football playing in the background. It's <laughs> like, my heart is happy. So I text her a picture of football with Halloween decorations everywhere. And I was like, my heart is happy. <laughs> I said, do you want to see my heaven? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do you want to see heaven? I was like, my heaven. This yeah, I haven't. Although I will tell you, oh look, I have more. I just looked up and saw some more moonshine over there. I was just talking to Chris about how I didn't have. I thought I had more moonshine than I did. You That's found what. it. <laughs> it's probably apple pie or something. on the bar. Yeah, it's <laughs> imagine that. Shocking. <laughs> it just wasn't in the fridge. <laughs> uh, now I've completely forgot where we were at. We were brain. talking about oh. Uh, I will tell you, you'll be very proud of me. You said, uh, you've said this a lot recently. I know. Uh, I've already taken down all my Halloween decorations. Oh, really? Yeah. We took them down yesterday. And Bradley was like, uh, can we put the Christmas tree up now? Yes. And I was like, baby, I have to figure out where we're going to put the Christmas tree this year. And he was like, oh, right there. Like where the gossip bench is. You can move that. Oh, you put the Christmas tree right there. And I was like, it's actually not a bad idea. So, uh, he, and Chris was like, no, we're not putting the Christmas tree up. Like, he was so pissed because we put That's up That's blasphemy. No, he was pissed because we put up Halloween decorations at the beginning of October. I was like, listen, I don't get along with my Halloween decorations, okay? At the beginning thought, of October? Yes. You could put them up at the end of September. I tried. I snuck him up. I don't have to sneak shit. Spencer came out and goes, hi. I went, hi. <laughs> With a big old smile on my face. Shitty <laughs> grin. Uh, I texted her and said, fucking headache. I ended up with four Christmas trees this year. I had three last year because I had mine. Spencer had one. And then when he had ordered one, with the year that we didn't live together 
he um it wouldn't fit correctly and so he like let the company know that it was broken he couldn't get it to fit correctly and they were like oh just keep that one so then he just shaved it down so they both worked and so he had two and then this year I saw probably on TikTok if we're being really honest uh Christmas decoration it was the five foot Christmas tree at at Dollar Tree it's actually four feet and then you take one of their buckets and you spray paint it like whatever color you want to spray paint it and you use that as a tree collar at the bottom. You cut the handles off the bucket and the bottom out and use it as a, a collar. And I had some cute gnome ornaments, like four. There were four, not a ton. Uh-huh. But then I used clear glass ones. And it's like, Spencer was like, that looks like a cute little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And then I went back to Dollar Tree and they had like gnome, like little gnome hats on a stick. Uh-huh. and so I it, in a double and so I just shoved them down into the tree for the the topper you know at Dollar Tree the other day I bought um I was making wreaths I made ha- Halloween wreaths mm-hmm. and I bought one that was in the shape of a witch's hat and we ended up not using it and I think I'm going to turn it into a Christmas tree oh that's a good idea it's just it's just like a Christmas tree shape yeah and so they I have just... all kinds of like those cool wreath wires mm-hmm. and I don't have a very good wreath for the front, like a very good Christmas wreath for the front door. So I, need I went to, to Walmart, one. almost bought a, a Halloween wreath the other day because it had like all of the like Christmas, um, what are those things called? Like the ornaments, like the round ones, the bulbs. Yeah. Like the big, the big ones and the little ones that are all different colors and stuff, but they're not light up. They're just like. You, you can get them in clear, too. Mm-hmm. Are they called bulbs? Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, they had those in all of these different shapes and sizes. In, not shapes, but different sizes and colors for Halloween. And I mm-hmm. looked at how they actually had it. And they had, uh like, string through each one of them. And then the string was tight, like, pulled tight. Yeah. On wreath. And I was like, I could do that. Yeah. If you get plastic, really if you get plastic bulbs... You the know? balls just the ornament yeah, the balls. balls yeah, yeah the, the ornament balls, balls. Yeah. yeah so i think i'm probably gonna make me a christmas wreath or christmas decoration of some sort that's fun okay yeah. now that we've gotten all caught up we oh, i need to start our timer oh now we have to start the timer we oh, are going to talk about <laughs> Um, I bet we've been talking for like at least 10 minutes. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> if not 15. Um, we're going to talk about the court process and what it looks like for really any like nurse to go to court, but really specifically forensic nurses because that's what we teach. So um, that's going to be this episode this time. And then we're going to end with some sentencing stuff and talk about, so I going to talk about Jessica's Law, which is in the state of Kansas. It's is not it just federal? the state of Kansas. Yeah. Is it no, federal it's not, law? It's not federal, but it's not just the state of Kansas. Oh. So we'll talk well, about it. See, she's going to talk about it. I mean, I know of it, but we don't see kids, so I don't know very much about it. So she gets to talk about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's kind of what we're going to discuss today. There shouldn't be a content warning for this. I mean, there's a content warning. There's a content warning for this. Because <laughs> I'm going to talk about Jessica's law. Okay, so we'll do the content warning like prior to you talking yeah. about that. But um, the court process is really, really an interesting kind of process if you've never been through it. 
this kind of came about too because we just taught the forensic course again in October and I was sitting there and I was like you know I bet like general public obviously don't really know how core processes work and like what they hear things on tv and see things on tv but like that's That's not not reality yeah that's not reality although my patient the other day said that she helped me out because of her inner it was her inner detective benson coming out oh my god that's hilarious that you said that i can't i will never forget that you said i know i know um yeah so in terms of like the court process if you've never been to court before which people who are law-abiding citizens probably have never been through the court process before i know i hadn't before and even if you've been through in even if you've been to court and you've been through processes they're it's not the same when you go to testify yeah and it's not same the same in a civil court as it is in a criminal court court, yeah so it's different so for example you could have a docket which means they're going down a list of people and calling people up um all in one room those kinds of things that's a docket um but you also have um that that's more civil usually when they do a civil docket so in terms of like domestic violence if people have pressed charges things like that a lot of times um like a, a pfa docket or a protection from abuse order or a protection order or if we're talking like i remember when we talked in the johnny depp amber heard trial it's called um a temporary restraining order or a tro so it just depends on what it's called where you are but that could be a docket when you're first filing for those so you have to go to court and in any situation if you file something you have to go to court and the the defendant or the person that you're filing against or whoever's it's against has the right to question the person accusing them so that's kind of a general aspect in civil and criminal court but Like, for example, the most recent docket that I went to is they had like a kiosk and you sign in and you either put that you are the the, um, victim or the defendant. I think it was. I don't think it was a suspect. I think it was the defendant or the victim. Yeah, they don't call them suspects. Yeah. So you sign in and then they called up all defendants first and waited to the end to call up victims because most of the time... um, they'll either dismiss or uh, 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 submit a warrant for the person. So if the victim is there, they're more likely to um, submit a warrant for their arrest for um, failure to appear. So that's like a docket. But then, uh, and that's more civil. And then, and you can also have cases that are not dockets in civil court where you are going to civil court and and the judge is hearing things just between you and a defendant, or if you are the defendant, the defendant, and the person that's accusing you. Um, but the things that we do most of the time are in criminal court. And so most of the time um, you have a defense attorney's office that's handling it. So there's a prosecutor from the DA's office and um, there's, it depends on how big your DA's office is. Like if it's, like a county not, yeah I was gonna say it's not always a DA or a county attorney's office too is yeah. what I was gonna say so it depends on how big it is um on who is kind of handling those things 
So I deal with mostly defense attorneys, but you kind of have a different aspect. <clears throat> or the DA's office, I'm sorry. I deal with the DA's office as well. Oh, I, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm dealing mostly with defense attorneys. Yeah, no, I'm so I deal I deal a lot with the defense attorney. Or fuck, now you got me saying <laughs> it. I deal a lot with the district attorney's office uh in the county that I work in. But we also have we serve like 11 different counties or something like that and so all the little bitty counties around us have county attorneys that we also have yeah yeah so that is usually who is prosecuting a case and most of the time who we will get a subpoena from yeah and the the really (laughs) the biggest difference between i feel like this is coming from like just my perspective, not from like any real knowledge, <laughs> um, is that a district attorney's office legitimately has multiple attorneys underneath them. And they're trying multiple cases at one time. It's usually in bigger, larger areas, um, more population, like that kind of stuff. And they have attorneys that try you know, children's cases, adult cases, sex cases, homicide cases, like they, they specialize. They're specialized. Yeah. They specialize their attorneys and their attorneys. There are multiple like tens, twenties, like that kind of stuff underneath them, depending on how big the district attorney's office is in the County. You literally have a County attorney and that's it. That's what you're dealing with. And so when you piss off a county attorney. They don't. There's nothing like she experienced that. They don't say, well, I didn't piss any county attorneys off, uh, but maybe previous people did. <laughs> yeah, we had a situation today where I actually had a patient from a county that Sarah serves, and um, we were really able to make a good connection with yeah. like people from that their detective. sheriff's office. And that detective was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and and when I talked to him he was like you know thank you so much you know for letting us know and and and, you know he's like this is really coming from my county attorney I said you know I kind of have a contact for the person who runs the program in this town which is closer to you rather than them having to come all the way to us and and like and they passed through a whole other city that has a program just to get to you like it was just craziness but sometimes things, you know, work out and happen how they're supposed to. And I think that that was the situation for sure, because it was something that we don't do a whole lot, but I was there and I was the one on call today in terms of leadership point of contact. We weren't going to call anybody in for this case, but you know, so things really happen how they're supposed to happen. But also, I I guess I should say, and also we were able to make the connection with that investigator who's going to get a hold of the, the county attorney and who you're going to sit down and have a conversation with. And I was able to be like, you know, I personally know the person who runs that program and she's quite the badass and they've really improved that program. And she's, you know, she's really doing a ton of things. And I was like, and I actually see a lot of kids. So they're very experienced. And he was like, thank you so much for that. And I said, yeah, you're welcome. And then I tech, I, <laughs> I emailed Sarah and I said, yo, this is Sarah. She runs that program. And um, I gave her a heads up and Vaughn told her that she was going to be doing this for you. 
<laughs> and I emailed back and I said, yes, thank you. She's always volunteering me to do something. Oh, like you're one to talk. You shut the fuck up over there. Yeah. And uh, he emailed back like, I love it when people volunteer other people. <laughs> <laughs> so. But, so county attorneys, though, like truly can make or break my job sometimes. Yeah. Because um, it is up to the county attorney where patients go to be seen um, because they're paying for it in Kansas. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So, okay, go ahead. Um, I think it's also really important to note that like even the big, the bigger like district attorney's office, they also have charging attorneys who see every case that come across. And so that person is seeing the cases that come across and they're making decisions about whether or not they're charging things. So this is why investigations can take so long because there's so many moving parts to it. Like, you know, we're doing a single job that as forensic nurses, we're doing a single job in, we're a cog in an entire wheel of things that, that are happening. And this really is a, a truly multidisciplinary job and there's people from very different backgrounds and aspects doing things <clears throat> and so um when you talk about our job in this big wheel it's really one aspect of it and <clears throat> we often tell people like you you're not going to make or break a case unless you fuck up your chain of custody um which is really important because you know that's kind of the top thing if um, a defense attorney can point out that you didn't do your job correctly in terms of like maintaining chain of custody with something that really will mess up a case. So chain of custody is like one of the most important aspects, but you're really not going to mess anything up. And our job isn't as somebody on the DA's office's side or a county attorney's side or a prosecutor's side. We're there to do the science. And I don't know how many times, you know, I've told a patient like, well, they told me I have to do this. And I, you know, I will flat out say, I don't really give a shit what they think. That's not my job. My job is to take care of you as a patient. So I'm going to give right. you all of your options and you get to make that choice. And yeah. so I, <clears throat> that's definitely a conversation that we have to have a lot is like, I don't work. I work for this hospital. Yes. Like I don't work for the police department. I don't work for the attorney's office I don't work anywhere other than this hospital and so my job is to make sure that you're safe and that you're okay in this moment but then my job is then to talk about the science behind whatever I do in court yes and so that's why we can testify for both the defense and the prosecution right right so our job is not to be on one side or the other and I think yeah. that that's that is an aspect that can kind of get lost in the sauce sometimes whenever Especially you're sitting by law on, enforcement and even and prosecutors and prosecutors. Yeah. Because we do sit on SART teams where these people, you know, we, we don't have defense attorneys on SART teams. No, no, we don't have defense attorneys for a, good, a great reason. But. Yeah. There's a reason. Yeah. You know, and, and I think I, I do have to say now that I've worked in this job for a while, Defense attorneys really do get a bad name. There are bad defense attorneys. Like, there are bad prosecutors. Like, there are bad, some bad nurses. Like, there are bad law enforcement. There's bad, you know. Everybody. Everybody. But I think defense attorneys really get a bad name because their job really is to poke holes in 
the fairness of a system in the job that you're doing in, you know, the process that's supposed to be upheld. And so I have heard more than one time when defense attorneys come to teach in our class, them say, we don't believe everybody is, is innocent. innocent. That's not our job. We don't believe everybody is innocent. In fact, I believe there are people that are guilty that should get the sentences that they get. It's just my job to make sure that the process is fair. Yeah. And if you um, are new to our podcast um, or have forgotten, um, we interviewed a great defense attorney. Oh, right. Yeah. A few years ago. Um, and the episode's called Raising Your Defenses. And it's a great, it's a great look and view into a defense attorney and actually truly that interview I don't know I mean I'm pretty sure but that interview for me I'm pretty sure for also Morgan kind of changed our minds about defense attorneys a little bit because we got a better perspective of what they do now granted there really are some skeezy defense attorneys out there that are doing it for the money just like there are skeezy forensic nurses just like there are skeezy law enforcement officers yeah you know and so it it happens but yes and and they are there to make sure that the process is fair and to make sure that the laws are upheld the way that they need to be upheld correct yeah yeah so that's kind of like the start of what our job looks like in the court process it's like we're not on either side we're a non-biased party so really i think when we're talking about the fundamentals of testimony or the court process, um, it is really about knowing your standards of practice, your policies and protocols, the things that you've learned, the certifications that you have. It really looks at your education and how much you know in order to testify because there are two different ways that you can testify. One is as a fact witness and one is as an, is as an expert witness. And excuse me, the way that I've heard it described by, um, by attorneys is you can be an expert witness if you have more knowledge on the subject than, uh, the normal person. So the normal person in our situation would be a nurse, right? Because we're on the same level, but since we have extra knowledge based in forensic nursing, we can testify as expert witnesses And as we're training, we always teach people, you've now had a 40-hour didactic course. You're learning, you know, you'll have a 16-hour clinical course or however you're doing your clinical. You now have extra education and are allowed to to testify as an expert, which means you can um, opine or give your opinion on something as as an expert. So it's got to be in the field of study that you're testifying to. I can't opine to some crazy shit on the stand (laughs) to whatever I want to give my opinion on. But if I were asked about the neurobiology of trauma and how my patient was responding in the moment, I can then talk about the neurobiology of trauma and say, this patient exhibited signs and symptoms and they were experiencing trauma in the moment. So this often happens when our patients give us their narrative, right? So the best part about it is that you can give your opinion based on signs and symptoms that you're seeing or based on the science. So those are two different ways that you can testify. Um, How many times have you been certified as an expert? Oh gosh. Uh, 
so really truly like only like three or four um like and we didn't go through the like court process to certify me as an expert okay um it was just more of a so she's an expert in this and now she's giving her opinion on it um and so so did you talk about like your experience and your education and all that good stuff? Yeah. So what you what, generally almost every single time you are testifying anyway, sorry, I got to move around here, guys. Um, Almost every time that you're testifying anyway, they start off by asking you like what your, where you work, what your name is, all of that jazz. And then like what your education is. And so they asked me my education and then they asked me, my further education because I have my master's in forensic nursing and um then they have taken my cv multiple times to which a cv for those of you who don't know is uh, a curriculum vitae and it is like a resume but like really super detailed you say it vitae it's not beta. I mean, I think it's either way. Oh, I I thought I was saying it wrong. <laughs> well, fuck. I mean, now I'm gonna have to look it up and make sure. <laughs> but anyway, so it's way detailed, um, and you like it, it details out the classes that you've taken, and. You know, I've been a nurse since two thousand seven. That's a People's, lot. Of they can be classes. like thirty pages long if you have yeah a ton of like continuing education credits or things like that. So your CV is not like a resume where it should just be one or two pages. It really is how you're an expert. And so there are sections about your licensure, about the professional organizations that you belong to about the CEs that you've taken. Vitae. Vitae. Who, what? Curriculum Vitae. Vitae. (laughs) Um, Even if you've been certified as an expert, um, those go in there as well. Like, or your testimony, anytime you've testified, those go in there as well. So, you know, um, this really is a long document to prove And you also have to go through that on the stand as well. So anything that you submit to the court, usually they ask you the questions on the stand too. So you can spend a long time, depending on how long your CV is, on your education. And that's really how they certify you. And a lot of times the attorney will say, I would like to certify this this person as an expert. So just just so you're aware, um, they really only do that in your area. Huh, interesting. In the state of Kansas. They really only do that in your area hmm. um, because that's what I was talking to our prosecutors about. And they were like, no, we have to go through what is the, what's the thing called? A Daubert hearing. Daubert hearing. Thank you. Um, Cause curriculum vitae, 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 vitae is all I have in my brain right now. So um, they have to go through a Daubert hearing to actually certify you as a, an expert. I don't think that's right. I think that the Daubert hearing is to justify your expertise. So yeah, if somebody is challenging it, then you have to go through a Daubert hearing. 
but our but you prosecutor don't... who used to work for the attorney general's office said that most of Kansas does not um, ask you on the stand and then certify you on the stand. You have to do it prior to. But it doesn't always go to a Daubert hearing, right? You can submit your curriculum vitae. You, can, you, can, you could submit it, but if the opposing team doesn't agree then you then have it to goes the to Daubert. a Daubert hearing yes but if um you can submit it and you know one of the things <clears throat> I don't think I realized until the last time we had the defense attorney discussion at the training that um in order to use somebody as an expert you have to submit their information prior to anyway so, like, if the prosecution is going to use me as an expert, they have to submit my CV and all that good stuff and and, cert and say that they're going to certify me as an expert. So, I think it's probably <clears throat> similar. They they kind of, like, it's, it's a process. Maybe it's just a different process in different areas. Yeah. But, anyway. So, um, usually you're subpoenaed by one or the other. And used as an expert. Morgan, um, what is a subpoena? Oh, hey, a subpoena is when some attorney sends you a letter and says, you are to show up in court on this day at this time, according to this case. And uh, most of the time, it's the forensic nurse who has performed um, kit collection, or you can also be subpoenaed by a defense attorney to testify as an expert witness. And um, most of the time that comes with a, a hefty chunk of change if you're, ex if you're um, testifying as an expert, because a lot of times you are looking over the case, you are um, submitting an opinion. Um, Especially if you're doing it in a document. Defense. Yes, in a document uh, and being able to say, this is what I'm seeing. And then they have to submit that to the prosecution in order to look at and read prior to um, the trial. So you are subpoenaed by one side or the other to testify either as a fact witness to just testifying to what you did. So you're just saying, yes, I did this, 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 and this. And this or, is what I saw. Mm -hmm. So it's really um, objective data. There's not I really... I will say, one of my cases, though on the stand the defense attorney um so they 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 just basically like said this is what you saw blah 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 for the prosecution and the defense attorney said like well in your opinion blah 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 and asked me a question based off of my opinion mm. and but he said in your medical opinion mm -hmm. this is the defense attorney that asked me in my medical opinion how many bruises was too many bruises that's an intelligent defense attorney there. Sarah, what was your response? My response was, well, it depends. <laughs> and then he said, so you can't say 20 bruises is too many bruises. And I, you can't give a number to it, correct? And I was like, no, I can't give a number to it. Because it depends on the whole picture on what you're seeing, not one bruise. I'm not going to call something child abuse based off of one bruise, but one bruise could alert me to child abuse. So. That was a good answer. That was a good, good answer. 
Let me tell you, the last time I testified, I fucking rocked it. <laughs> I rocked and you get it more so and more hard. comfortable too. I think you know. Once I think you've... I blacked out. I Travis Kelsey did. You Kelsey know what I said? I Kelsey it right there. Just fucking blacked out <laughs> on the stand. Did it amazing. My boss was like, "That's the best Shout I've out. ever seen." Shout out Travis Kelsey and and blacking out to to do your best. Um, and that's not based on like a chemical blackout that's like no 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 <laughs> his brain trauma responds and turns off so that... like hey, <laughs> i don't know what to say <laughs> i'm gonna black out and then i'm just gonna scream into this microphone yeah okay so after you've been subpoenaed um to go to court it'll tell you a date and a time and what we train our nurses to do and if you are a nurse and you get subpoenaed for something like a legal blood draw or maybe you found drugs on a patient and you had to give it to the police and then you had to write a statement and then they're gonna they're gonna call you up um when you get a subpoena it's always really really important to call whatever attorney subpoenaed you to set up a pre-trial hearing and at that pre-trial hearing you'll talk about you know, some of the questions that they're going to have for you, the things that they want you to go over. And it's really important for you to prepare before you go to court. You can't just go in and wing it. And like, for example, um, one of the things I did to prepare was when I was looking over my notes, I was really thinking about the narrative that the patient gave me, but I was also practicing reciting that narrative, not like, not from memory, but remembering that narrative, but I did it while I was cooking and my house was chaotic so that when I got up on the stand and if anything was going on around me, it was easier for me to focus in on what I was saying and doing and know, you know, my notes in my documentation. And so it's really important to do a pretrial hearing. That might look like you're talking about what's going on. If you've never been to court before, you can ask whatever attorney is subpoenaing you to take you to the courtroom so that you can see where you're going to be sitting in the witness box so that you can see where you're going to like who you're going to be facing in the room to see where the jury's going to be you're actually going to go because where you meet the attorney may not be where you're going to go for court right and they could tell you in my county they give you a division the courtrooms are called divisions and if you've never been through the court process you would never know that they're like oh you have to go to division so and so and you're like what the fuck does that mean well that's a courtroom and so you can do all of those things prior to to help you prepare where do i park do i have to get a parking ticket like or a ticket for like a lot like do I get this certified somewhere those are all questions you can ask prior to and then you can also validated validated that's it um and then you can also after you've kind of like looked over your own documentation you can say you know I noticed this like for example one of the things that I used to do when we had written documentation is I would always forget to put my end time because that documentation is on the very first page that I start filling out. And I've gone through nine pages of documentation that I've written and asked the patient questions. But one of the best things about documentation is that sometimes there's duplicates. And so after I would give the, my patient their discharge information, my end time for my exam was always my discharge time. And so even though it wasn't filled up at the top, because that's like what we call clerical error because I'm a human being, um, I could always say my end time for my patient is always whenever I give them that discharge paper because that's ending your exam with them, the time that you've spent with them. So, you know, you can find things like that as well to talk to the prosecutor about and get that elephant out of the room prior to it being called out by somebody else. Yeah. 
it's also a great time to ask questions about um like kind of the route that they're taking um with their prosecution like what is it where are you aiming and then do you know what the other side is going for also so like if you're there for the defense you know um I never testified for the defense but I I assume I would still have a very similar conversation of like where are you going with this and where do you think that the other side is going with this I always ask my prosecutors like what you know do you know the defense attorney and um do you know what the defense is do you know what they're trying to say is the defense because it's good information to have in your brain also um and I would assume if you did it for the defense you would be good to know what the prosecution's looking at um and you know what the prosecution is focusing on um because a lot of times they have the last case that i testified in they had a really weird um they the prosecution was focusing on things that i was just like okay that's great but like that's not even the most important part of this whole thing in my aspect you know and so then i said you know well what about this and they brought it back with, yeah, how do we prove that? So that may exist, but how do we prove that this person did that? Mm-hmm. I can prove this. And so, like, <laughs> there's a whole different route sometimes that they go down that you may not even be thinking about. So it's really great to meet with them ahead of time. Which plays into the, this is a multidisciplinary team that we work on. And I have a job investigators have a job prosecutors have a job and we may not understand have a job yes and we may not understand their jobs and I can't speak to anybody else's job but my own so if I am an expert I can't speak to the investigators part or the investigation I can't speak to the lab personnel's part or the lab process I know of those things because I'm a part of a multidisciplinary team but I cannot put that in a report that I'm doing because that's not my area of expertise. So those are really important aspects to remember as well. You have to stick to your lane um, and know that you may not understand something and you may not understand why the prosecutor is doing something, but they also have a reason. So, um, and knowing, you know, Sarah talked about who the defense attorney is and what, you know, what they may be going for, but asking, what do you, do you know what they might ask me? Because the prosecutor can kind of get an idea of that at like a pretrial hearing. They may get an idea of where the defense team is going at a pretrial hearing. So that's when they may know. So that's kind of your pre-trial stuff. And then you have the, the court process. And so you may, they may tell you to be there on a certain day at a certain time, but I feel like I've never gotten there and gone right away. There's always a the waiting only time period. I've only the only time I've done that is when I'm the first one after when lunch. it's in the beginning of the day. No, or I'm in the, the beginning of the lunch. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, but I've never been at the beginning of the day because they. That's true. They generally try to go with like in our situation anyway. They generally try and go with the um, victim first. Mm-hmm. and then they move through um a lot of times they move through the way the the, the uh victim moved through that's really so smart. if they ended up at the police department first 
then they go to the 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 police talk next if the police went to the house they they talked to the police that went to the house if they you know like they just they move through like that generally mm -hmm. and so wherever I was in that process is where I get put but you're correct I generally don't go yeah. on time ever <clears throat> so they'll tell you to be there at a certain time and then you'll sit and you'll wait and you'll wait and you'll wait and you'll wait and you'll wait, and you'll wait some more and then finally they'll call you in and like some of the things too that I didn't think about is they have water up there like you can pour yourself a glass of water and you can like pause to take a drink of water. Like, where am I going to put my purse? Where am I going to put my coat? Like those kinds of things. So those are good questions to ask before too. So then they'll call you in and you'll go in and you'll start answering questions. And the person who subpoenaed you first will be the, the person who subpoenaed you will be the first to ask you questions. And that's direct examination. And then the other attorney will then do a cross-examination or question you second based on your testimony and you have to make sure that you like I I talk really fast when I'm nervous and I go through things really really fast and you cannot do that on the stand because there's a court reporter reporting every single word and if and you they use, get pissed if yeah. they can't understand you yes so you have to speak clearly and if you use a big word you better know how to spell it <laughs> yeah it's gonna be difficult for me um, but that's why we say redness and not erythema. <laughs> I know how to spell erythema. Uh, redness is the problem. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> how many S's are in redness? <laughs> redness is S's. I spelled success wrong yesterday. I was writing my nurses. I thank you notes. God forbid anybody ever ask me how to spell necessary. Nope. Yeah, I could do it. I could do it. I couldn't. I could do it anyway so you have to make sure that you're speaking clearly and calmly but also you can't go so fast that um or answer a question too quickly so you always want to take a beat after you're asked a question in case the other side wants to object or stop you from answering the question that's what an objection is and so if somebody objects then you be quiet and you wait until the judge says whether or not you can go forward so if it's if the objection is sustained that means you cannot answer that question if the objection is overruled that means you can answer the question and if you forget those things you can always look to the judge and say can I answer this question and they'll tell you yes or no you can can or shouldn't answer the question so you have to learn how to kind of be prepared and speak slowly and kind of take a beat before you're answering the question so that the opposite side can go through the court process appropriately and so you'll get up there and you'll testify and I think the scariest part for people is like knowing that you can sit for hours on a stand and answer questions and it doesn't feel like hours if we're being really honest because no, it does not your job when you're testifying is Especially to educate when you it and you just black out <laughs> yes your job is to educate the jury and so when you're Pause. okay go ahead there's not always jury trials though well, okay, your job is to educate the person who is making decisions. Uh, making the decision. Sorry. I guess I'm thinking about sitting on the stand and testifying to the jury. So if there is a jury, you are actually answering the question to the jury. So whatever attorney is asking you a question, then you look at the jury and you answer that question. So you're educating them on what you did in the process. And the same would go if it's a bench trial if that's a judge so a bench trial is just the 
the judge is the one making the decision. A jury trial is that the um, the jury of your peers is making a decision. And it really depends on where you are and how many jurors there are. So like, for example, in my area, misdemeanors, only six jurors, whereas felony cases, criminal cases are 12. So those are like little aspects that you're never going to know unless you've been through this process. So your job that is really about things. educating people. Yeah, that was one of the things that annoyed people during the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial was that Amber Heard kept looking at the jury. And I saw so many times like people say like she just keeps looking at the jury like she's pandering to them. And in all actuality, she just was really great court prepped by her attorney. Yeah, she was really, really good court prepped. Yeah, and because your attorney should court prep you and say, make sure you answer all of my questions to the jury mm-hmm. and not don't look at me and answer questions. Um the other aspect is that if it's the trial or if it's the preliminary trial. So like prelims, um, we do a lot of prelims and the preliminary is like where both the defense and the prosecution are there to present their cases to the judge, the judge, judge only to see if there's enough evidence to move forward with an actual trial. And so, um, this is not beyond all reasonable doubt. That's no, not what that, no. that's not what a pretrial is. This is just, do you have enough evidence for us to move forward? And so this is why like people think that it takes for fucking ever for, people to go to trial and I don't understand like you know this or that whatever because not only do you have to like do your investigators have to get all of the information from their investigation together um like our our exam any other medical things that they might need witness statements defendant statements like all that kind of stuff has to be put together and then that has to be put into this pretty little package and handed over to prosecution and prosecution can look at that and be like oh there's clearly not enough for me to do anything with this or they can be like get me more of this or can you find out more about this to expand on it and then we can you know take it to court um and then so once the prosecution says yes to it um then they have to release all of their stuff to the defendant's attorney and then they have the right to be like you know whatever um and then there then you have the preliminary trial if the defendant doesn't take a plea deal before the prelim and um then and i found out our county does not like doing plea deals our county likes to go to court. They do not That's like plea deals. And so we don't have a whole lot of pleas. And so they don't offer them a plea. The prosecution has to offer them a plea in order for them to. The defense attorney can ask. They can ask for it. But, but the prosecution, prosecution has to be willing to. Yeah, has to be willing to do it. And so if there's no plea that's entered before you're going to move to the prelim, you go to prelim. All of the evidence that you have is put in front of the judge. The judge says yay or nay on moving forward. So now you could have done all of this work. And then the judge is like, there's not enough here, which, you know, most of the time is not true, but especially in our cases. But um, there's still the option after the prelim um, 
for the prosecution to offer a plea deal. Mm-hmm. But I think through the trial you can too. Are you I sure? Found out, I found out. Oh, once the trial once you starts, start, you can't. You can't. Yeah, you can't in the middle of it be like, oh shit, let's go ahead and plea. Right. Because obviously, like if you watched jurors' reactions to some of the shit that's said and shown, and then you were like, oh fuck, I this is not gonna go well. Let's plea. That yeah. wouldn't be fair. True, 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 true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wrong. Yeah. Um, also I think uh I think it is very locational in terms of plea deals. I know the prosecutor that we have now is a fucking bulldog Mm -hmm. and she's not just going to give any fucking willy nilly plea deal. Like the, they're like, (laughs) it's interesting to listen because she'll say like, Oh, they want to take a plea. And this is what they said. And I was like, how do you feel about that? She's like, I'm not going to take that. That's no way they're going to do this or we're going to go to trial. So like knowing how they, they think is really really important and I think we're really lucky because our prosecutor has had defense attorney experience too and now and now they're prosecuting cases so um yeah because when I worked in that county I never went to court ever yeah and now there's a lot of nurses going to court now but you know you can go through this whole process and then get to the end and like you're waiting for um the jury to come out with you know guilty or innocent and then whatever they come out that they're guilty then there's a sentencing date set usually the sentencing usually isn't the same day it can be in some cases but usually it's at a later date and it really right. depends on where we are sentencing is very different in different states yes. so it would be according to your state where we are um there's a grid for adults the if the perpetration was against an adult it depends on your history of criminal offenses and um uh whether or not it's a person's crime so if it's against another person you'll get a higher sentence however sarah's now going to talk about um whether the crime was perpetrated against a child or somebody Um, under the age of 15 yes i think so okay so when it comes to kids so this is not just in kansas um there are 46 states in the united states that have jessica's law oh yeah and so there is um a group called stop child predators and it was actually started by um this um jessica what's jessica's last name lunsford that's right jessica lunsford lunsford dad started stop child predators um and so it's based off of this um it was passed in kansas in 2006 um it substantially enhances penalties for sexual offenses involving minors so um if you're charged with um a a whole laundry list okay under Jessica's law um you are an aggravated habitual sexual offender if you have two or more convictions for sexually violent cl- crimes including any of the following and so it's rape indecent liberties with children 
aggravated indecent liberties with children. And aggravated in general means that, and correct me if I'm wrong, aggravated in general means that there was something else going on alongside the crime. There has to be two things, right? Look that up. Keep going. I'm going to verify. Yeah. Indecent solicitation of a child, aggravated indecent solicitation of a child, sexual exploitation of a child, aggravated sexual battery, aggravated incest. Okay. So if you have your second conviction of any of these crimes, so you're convicted, a convicted sexual offender from any of those crimes that I just listed in the state of Kansas. On your second conviction, Jessica's law says that you have your sentence will be life in prison with the, without the possibility of parole. Um, if you are over the age of 18 and have sex with somebody under the age of 14, you can be sentenced for life, even if you have no prior convictions under Jessica's law. So um, even if you're a first-time offender... And you, any of the following happened to anybody under the age of 14. So it wasn't 15, it's 14. Um, aggravated trafficking, statutory rape, aggravated indecent liberties with a child, aggravated criminal sodomy, promoting prostitution, which I think is absolutely hilarious in children. Children can't be prostitutes. Um, and sexual exploitation of a child. If any of that is true... Uh, and you're convicted of any of those things, and your victim was under the age of 14, you will have um, a mandatory minimum term of imprisonment, but it will be no less than 25 years. Um, But most of the time, it will be life in prison without the possibility of parole. Um, And all of this came about because this Jessica Lunsford um, was... It's actually really horrific. So, um, I hear movement, sorry. Um, so, trigger warning, I guess. Is that what we're saying now? Content warning. Content warning. Um, so this John Cooey, which I don't know how to actually say his last name, and I really could give a shit less how to say his last name, to be honest. C-O-U-E-Y. Um, walked into this Jessica Lunford, Lunford's house in Florida um, because her door was unlocked. It was three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I forget how old she was. Uh, anyway, he, oh, she was nine. That's right. Um, walked into the house and basically just told her like, hey, come with me. Took her, um, like Murderpedia, by the way, is where I got some of the information on this. Um, and they uh have some details on Murderpedia. Oh but... yeah, Murderpedia is a lot. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna go into details, but uh, he basically was like, "Quiet, don't yell, don't say anything." Told her to follow her out of the house, and then basically took her back to her house, his house, and tied her up and sexually assaulted her, uh, multiple different times. And then put her into um, a garbage bag and buried her alive. Oh, my Lanta. Now, um, he had previously been charged um, 
he had an extensive criminal history that included 24 arrests for burglary, carrying a concealed weapon without a permit, indecent exposure. Um, he was uh, accused during one of his burglaries of grabbing a child or grabbing a girl in her bedroom. Um, Kui was sentenced to 10 years in prison, but paroled in 1980. And in 1991, he was arrested in Kissimmee, Florida, on a charge of fondling a five-year-old child. Um, he ended up being released early again, and this all happened in 2005 in Florida. So he was, um, sentenced, um, on August 24th, 2007 was when he was sentenced with the death penalty in Florida. Um, but Oh, so sad. He died in 2009, so two years later, less than two years later, or a little over two years later, of anal cancer. I hope it fucking hurt. <laughs> anyway. Okay, I have an answer for you. Okay, aggravated. Go. It's like knowingly placing another person in reasonable fear or harm of death. Like, it's another step up. So, like, yeah aggravated assault is when you use a weapon so like yes. you can assault someone but you have a weapon so there's reasonable so fear. i could pu- i could punch you in the face right now and that's assault but if i punch you in the face and hold a gun to your head that's aggravated yes assault. yes okay yeah, yeah and then battery would be like you cause somebody bodily harm or um aggravated is like you cause you knowingly or recklessly cause them bodily harm or disfigure them so you're yeah. knowingly doing it. So like battery would be like, we're in the heat of the moment and I punched you in the face. That's battery. But I know I'm knowingly, I'm going to throw acid on you because I want to disfigure you. That's right. That's aggravated. It's a, it's a step up using knowing. Yeah. Knowingly. Yeah. Okay. Got it. And so, um, because of like everything that happened with, um, this, guy who is a piece of shit um jessica lunsford's dad like kind of went to um the politicians and was like we need to change the laws we need to do something about these sex offenders like that kind of stuff and so that's why um there's harsher penalties and they've got it it's and Jessica's law mandates a minimum 25-year prison sentence and lifetime electronic um, monitoring for adults convicted of lewd and lascivious acts against child a child under the age of 12. It's under the age of 14 in Kansas. Um, and that is in 46 states. Uh, most recently in Kansas, one of the most recent ones that our attorney was talking about was a case where the person pulled the child down on top of him. Both of them are fully clothed. Fully clothed. Uh, but he got a hefty sentence and is going to be in prison for the rest of his life. Uh, Without penetration. With Yes, there was no, there was not even any touch skin to skin. And nope. I was like, that's fucking Get badass. It. But Get also, we, we also kind of talked about the importance of this because we know that in that situation that was probably like lowest level we're going to try and figure out what we can get away with and it's just going to escalate from there it's not like it's going to stop 
like if I get away with this, I'm just going to stop it. It's going to escalate from there. So knowing that that's what perpetrators do, I think this law really creates some safeties around putting people behind bars who are like, you know, pedophiles and, and will be lifelong perpetrators. Yeah. Um, I think to, um, it helped kind of set a precedence on this is what we're, this is what we're doing and this is what we're going for. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So, um, we just had a sentence last week, last Friday, one of my nurses, it was her very first case that she ever testified in a couple months ago, September. Um, so technically a couple that months That was last ago. month. No. Oh, it was, oh my it was God, we're in November. Holy November shit. 6th, okay. baby girl. Yeah. Um, so it was her very first time she ever testified and she, uh, fucking rocked it, of course. And, um, they convicted him. It was an adult, um, uh, that was perpetrated against. And I think the defendant was like in his twenties. And they convicted him to 53 years and four months. What was that extra so four months for? You know, I didn't go to sentencing because I had a case because I was doing a case. And so I ended up not going to sentencing. Um, but I can't wait to actually read his charges because I would love to know what the four months is. Four and 53 short. years. Because I'm sure it's 50 years um, is probably for the aggravated sexual assault. And then... Probably has some previous... There was three years is probably something, and four months is probably something. So he probably has three different charges. Hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, you'll have to let me know what they are. Yeah, I, I thought that was pretty interesting. 53 years and four months. Because I, uh, our CSI officer was in the office today... And I said something about one of the detectives and he was like, why? And I was like, I'm mad at him because he was supposed to call me on Friday and tell me what the sentence was for that case. And because the CSI officer testified in that case too. And he was like, um, uh, I said, instead he called me and told me he was sending me a patient. So I'm fucking pissed at him. And he said, well, um, let's just call him up and ask him right now. And so he called and asked him while we were there and I told him I was pissed at him, but yeah. And so it's hard because we know that a very low amount of like under 20% of cases in the United States go to trial, um, and, or, and, or have some sort of conviction. Um, and so we know that like the job that we do doesn't mean that we're going to, there's going to be a conviction, or there's going to be some sort of quote unquote justice for the patient. Um, and so I've said, and I don't know if I've said it on the podcast before, but I've said it multiple times throughout my career. And I tell all of my nurses, like, you need to remember that your idea of what success is in your job cannot be based off of whether or not you can, you get convictions it has to be based off of something else. So my idea of success in my job is, is my patient better when they walk out the door than when they walked in the door? 100%. And sometimes my success, my success rate is not 100%. So, you know Correct. what I mean? You know, yeah, because and I know that, that. You're, you're not going to be able to do that for every patient. I think, you know, 
I think I, as I'm thinking about a patient that I took care of very recently, um, you know, it, it wasn't an exam and it wasn't an acute exam is what we would call it. And, um, in fact, it was, it was, it was a long time ago and I was able to really justify how she was feeling in the moment. And after we were done, you know, she was crying and I was like, are those good tears? Are those, you know, like, did I validate how you were feeling? And, and, you know, she started crying and she was like, I just, I didn't think that you were going to get to see anything. And I was like, I believe you. And I believe everything that you have told me. And, and I said, I believe that you are so fucking brave for coming in here and doing this and talking to police. And I was like, I was like, you know, I, I'm so sorry that you had to experience this. And sometimes I'm like, you know, if they're crying, I'm like, do you want a hug? Are you a hugger? And this person was like, I mean, I guess. And I was like, no, 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 not, I guess. Like, I'm not going to touch you if you don't want to be touched. And I was like, I'm a hugger and I'll hug you if you want a hug. But, you know, I gave her, I gave her a hug and I was just like, I'm really proud of you. This is really not easy. And I'm so sorry you had to experience this. And before I walked out the door, she said to me, I will remember you for the rest of my life. And I was like, Thank you. <laughs> you know one no. of the things one of the detectives has been doing um very recently with me and at first when he started like this this narrative i was like where the fuck is he going with this because it was one of those patients that it was it just happened and sometimes we get patients that the history is a little like did this happen recently or did this happen when you were seven? You mm-hmm. know, like, yeah, you know, but we treat everybody the same. We believe everybody. Right. Well, uh, I was thinking that he wasn't believing. I like, I really thought this detective was like running down this rabbit hole of, I don't believe this person because he started off his narrative uh, with, so I just, I'm going to be upfront and honest with you. And I was like, Oh shit. Okay. And he said, um, my job today is not necessarily to go out and arrest the person that did this. My job today is to investigate what's going on and to make sure that you're safe and you're okay. And, you know, we will look down the route of like, I'll investigate everything that you tell me and I'm going to go, you know, do this and do that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the person that did this is going to be arrested. And it doesn't mean that they're going to be arrested today. Um, And so I need you to understand that. And I need you to understand that if this doesn't end up going to court. And at this point, I was like, where the fuck is he going? Like, I, I really thought that he was trying to steer this person away from getting an exam. And... He was like, if this doesn't end up going to court, know that we, what we're doing here today is making sure that you, and he says their name whenever he says this, he says, like, we're making sure that Morgan is okay today and Morgan is safe today. And this is about you and the choices and the decisions that you're making today is, is what's going to make you better. And I was just like. That was very trauma-informed. Uh, it's the most trauma-informed way. And again, like I said, in the very beginning, I was like, 
<laughs> what the fuck is he gonna say and so when we walked out he was and he looked at me twice during the whole thing and he was like can you think of anything else and I was like no nah. <laughs> and so when we walked out he was like um okay so I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do that and you're gonna do this and you're gonna do that and and I was like can I just pause for a second and tell you like the way you said that and the way you framed that, first of all, I thought you were going to be like, I don't fucking believe you. I thought that's the route you were going down. And he was like, no, 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 no. And I said, I know. <laughs> As you ended up saying it, I was like, what? The This is the best way I've ever heard anybody yeah. put that. And he was very straightforward with like, we don't go to court a lot. We go to court a lot. We don't go to court a lot, though, you know, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, in the grand scheme, yeah. We don't go to court a lot. And so on, I don't go to court on every case. Not every case has an arrest. Mm -hmm. And he, he was like, I want to be up. It's very informed consent of him. Very. Oh my God. Yeah. And informed declination, like whatever you're doing today is okay. And it's making you, making you okay and safe today. And I love that they are not being pressured. So. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) And I was, like I said, I was very concerned that it was going to take a whole nother turn, but it didn't. And he, I've had him with two different cases in the last week and he's done it both times. And both times I get real nervous when he starts. And then by the end, both the patient and I are so much better. <laughs> it's trauma informed for you too. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes when I'm saying something, I'm like, Oh God, I hope they don't think I don't believe them. Because I'll end it, like, I'll end the conversation of, like, these could get blown up in court. So I'm talking about genital photos. Like, this is how they can be used, okay? And it's my job to tell you all of those things and let you make the decision that you want to make and support whatever decision you want to make. I will do all the photos. I will do all of the swab collection. But also, I understand if you don't want your vagina blown up on photos in a court of law. I get it. Right. And that's okay too. Right. So it's my job to give you all the information and allow you to make that yeah. decision, especially when I'm having to debunk that, like, you need to go and get this collected. You need to go and do this. And I'm like, you don't need to do anything. What would you like to do? So, you know, I think, you know, knowing that process and knowing it's a multidisciplinary approach is really important. And that is what the court process looks like yeah. for us. Super and that's just one piece of sentencing. Yeah. Super what? Super abbreviated court court process. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, thanks for letting us talk at you. Do you want to do any resources? Do you want me to do any resources? Do you want to do socials? I can do socials. I didn't pull up any resources. Rain.org. It's rain.org. Um, yeah, rain.org yeah. is our is our go to for everybody nationwide. Um, for any sort of sexual, um, they got trauma. some phone. They, they got, they got a, a text, text line yeah, and can... they have a safe closure too. So like if you're in it and you have to get out quickly, you can, you, there's a button you can push too. So please yeah. utilize those resources if you need them and yeah. you can contact us on our socials. Do I make you uncomfortable at gmail.com? <laughs> Is her favorite one to remember. At um, do uncomfortable on Twitter. That's my favorite one. At do uncomfortable is my favorite one. Uh, do I make you uncomfortable 2015 on Instagram? And do I make you uncomfortable on Facebook? Hey, I did two out of the four. You should be fucking so proud of me. Proud of I could have done the other two as well. I'm sure you could have. I interrupted you. Only because I listened to our last episode. 
on my way home today because it was just playing. Oh, yeah. And I had to go get my fingerprints done. And I was so focused on like paying attention to where I was going and making sure that I got there on time that I didn't realize until I was like halfway there that I was listening to our podcast. Our podcast. <laughs> you thought I, you were just talking to me on the phone? Probably. Yeah. 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 So. Like, God damn it, Sarah. That's not what I said. Oh, shit. This is our podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Okay. Well, thanks for being with us and we yep. will talk at you later. Okay, bye. bye.